Thank you for downloading and or streaming our newest review episode. This is Recasted 2.0. I'm Wayne G, joined as always by Jesse. What's up? Hello, hello, friends. We are back again. Today's episode, we are reviewing the 1984 action comedy film Beverly Hills Cop. But before we do, please make sure you are following us on all social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram at Recasted Podcast 8. And I did breathe new life into that account. We're actually starting to post up on there again. Oh, thank heavens, Wayne. I know that's where a lot of the youth are going these days. You know, we'd like to get to as many ears and eyeballs as possible. So good on you for putting in some effort. On Facebook, we are Recasted Podcast. That is our business page. And we also have a public group that anybody can join called All Things Movies. So join, post anything pop culture that you want and interact with us and other shows on there as well. Yeah, we got a business page and that's our pleasure page. On Twitter, we are at Recasted Podcast as well. That's where we're going to get the most interactive experience with us. And you vote there. You can chat with us, shoot us messages, whatever. That's definitely where we're the most active. Yeah, give us your reviews on the episodes that we provide, as well as give your opinions on movies. I know that Wayne loves to give opinions on certain movies or shows that he's recently watching. So, you know, stay active with us, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And coming soon, TikTok, we will be at Recasted Podcast. I just started an account. We should post five videos this weekend. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait for that. I know my daughter loves TikTok, so we'll make sure to follow as soon as we leave. All of our reviews are spoiler-filled, so if this is a movie that you have in your queue to watch, you may want to hold off and come back to this episode later on. Yeah, press pause, go to your local Blockbuster, get the VHS, and go ahead and pop this in. Jesse, this is another one of those movies that it's the first time you've ever seen it. So. Pray tell, how did you feel about Beverly Hills Cop? I, I really, really enjoyed it. I, as soon as I, I started watching, I looked at my mom and said, I know I'm going to enjoy this more than the recent films that Wayne and I have done. There was really only one aspect of the film that I didn't enjoy, Wayne, and I know I, I touched base with you on that, and that is the <laughs> that is the Eddie Murphy laugh. Oh, my goodness. I could not stand that throughout the entire film. I know that was his shtick for that film and probably that era, but oh, my goodness, it was too much. Well, that's his calling card. I mean, even if you watch The Nutty Professor, that's his laugh, man. I guess I didn't notice it. I'd have to go back and watch The Nutty Professor. I loved those films, him acting as so many characters. But yeah, that laugh just started to sound like nails on a chalkboard. But it was a very enjoyable film. Certainly filled or checked the boxes of both action and comedy. As a fan of the action comedy genre myself, I enjoyed this film quite a bit. I know that it opened up a lot of doors. This and Lethal Weapon opened up doors to like Die Hard and you know, other action comedies that came out afterwards. Yeah, and it was it was incredible to see how young Eddie was when he did this. Under 25, Wayne, when he did this. Yeah, he was a big-time stand-up comedian, and this was like he did Saturday Night Live, and then he didn't, like, ease his way into the movie scene. Like, he blew up right away. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a part in either the production or the directing. Part of this was, you know, all over, you know, with him. So definitely so incredible to see how young he was and how well he did. And I thought he brought the perfect amount of comedy to this film, which I know somebody mentioned to me that it was supposed to be Sylvester Stallone originally, and they switched it to Eddie Murphy because of conflicts or whatnot. And that's what made it an action slash comedy and not just an action movie. But I felt like Eddie brought the perfect amount of comedy. It reminded me of uh, Robin Williams, how he can take a serious role, but still bring funniness to it. Yeah, definitely wouldn't have been the same film at all if it had Sly. Seeing Eddie in this role, it kind of, you know, I, I hearken it to uh, like Bruce Willis. You know, I see them both as like every man type of cops where you're going to get some some comedy woven into the entire story, but you're going to see some necessary action as well. And what did you think about the characters altogether? Because I felt like all of the characters had a good amount of depth and a good amount of arc to their story, with the exception of Victor Maitland, but usually bad guys don't. 
I do agree. Yeah, you know, there was you know a few characters that I would have liked to see more of. That'd be uh, Axel's buddy back home, the one that was looking at the uh, the locker there as Eddie was, as Axel. I'm sorry, was getting reamed. But beyond that, I do agree. I feel like everybody really got fleshed out, and it was a really well done movie. I, I feel like we got to know a lot of the characters and see them grow throughout the film. We saw Judge Reinhold's character really grow throughout the film, and I thought he was really really great. I'm glad that we did this film and that you really kind of pushed for this after you found out that it was something I hadn't seen before. Yeah, for sure. And I think that before we get into our rating and then our breakdown of the film, I do want to let other podcasts know if you voted on our last recasting episode, I promised shout outs on our next episode. We don't count these as episodes or like bonus episodes. You'll get the shout out on the recasting. Yeah, just wait, buddy. You're going to get all the listens you're looking for. Now we do rate movies on a scale of one to five. And I'm curious, Jesse, how do you rate this film? So I'd, I'd love to have in front of me what I gave the other films, but that's homework I should have done myself. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a generous 3.9. Okay. That's fair. And I give it a 3.75. I think it's a great film. I think the only thing really holding it back from getting a higher score is the genre. I mean, action comedies don't usually score as high as a drama or something like that. But as far as an action comedy, I figure it's like a three for comedy, a four for action. So I went 3.75. Yeah, really fun hybrid, and the fact that it did spawn so many fun movies like this uh, and even franchises shows just how influential it was. All right, well, let's get into what Scott and Frankie, our friends over at Shoot the Flick, call the nitty-gritty. That they do, that they do. (laughs) They were going to steal that from them. So the film opens up at scenes from 1984 Detroit, and we get the song The Heat Is On by Glenn Frey of the Eagles. What a fantastic song. I feel like that's not the first time we've heard that in the last couple episodes, Wayne. Was that part of Caddyshack as well? I don't think it was, um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm an Eagles fan. How do you feel about the Eagles? Uh, you know, I'm not the big Lebowski, so I don't mind the Eagles. I know the Lebowski hated the Eagles, man. Well, I know that the Eagles and the Beatles are the only two people with more albums sold than Garth Brooks. Uh, speaking of the Beatles, I know we saved this for the other episodes, but I just started the Get Back documentary, Wayne. I really, really enjoy it. Oh, good. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. The last documentary I watched was Val, which was really good. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's uh, like five, six hours, three parts, but fantastic so far. All right. I might check it. I do like the Beatles. Uh, we got our introduction to Eddie Murphy. He's in the back of a cigarette truck. He's trying to sell both like containers of cigarettes. I'm guessing presumably stolen, so they're buying them at a heavy discount. But they offer him $2,000, and he's like, whoa, whoa, it's supposed to be $5,000. Yeah, he wasn't being taken for a chump at that point. He could see by the stack what he had in his hand. And, you know, he was going to push his way to what he needed to get the deal done. Um, and I think we could tell by his demeanor that he was an undercover. And, you know, you could see he was trying to, you know, pull the wool over and that he was going to get a deal done in order to get them caught. Well, the police do show up, but that was not part of the plan. And one of the guys drives off with the truck, Axel's in the back, high pursuit, and we get the Pointer Sisters singing Neutron Dance. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of good music here. Uh, you know, the 80s definitely wasn't short on fantastic songs, and they used a bunch of good ones here in this film. And he takes it down a narrow street, and you know what it reminded me of? He's hitting every single car on the street, and it reminded me of when you play Grand Theft Auto and you get the tank. Tommy Versetti, remember the name! Uh, I mean, it reminds me of me when I'm driving pretty much any time. I'm, I'm not a very good driver, folks. Watch out for me. 
He crashes the car. The guy flees on foot. The police officers surround the trailer, and Axel gets up, and one of the police officers recognizes him and is like, oh, it's Foley. We should have known it was you. <laughs> so we get back to the station, and here's where we meet Jeff. This is Axel's friend. Paul Reiser plays him here in this film. And very funny, typical Paul Reiser kind of you know crazy I don't know. I had him casted, Wayne. I want you to know I had him casted, and I had to check back into who you had sent over. And I was like, oh, damn it. We don't even have him. No, we didn't. Um, he had a smaller role. He does have a little bit of a bigger role in part two. Yeah, I just I enjoyed the small bit we got of him. I know that Inspector Todd is pissed. Some of the other guys are kind of making fun of Axel for holding up the deal because they could have arrested the two guys, but he was holding it up for that 5000 And he explains, if I went for the 2000 they would have known I was a cop. Hey, do you want a cigarette, Axel? <laughs> That's funny. Did you write that yourself? <laughs> so Inspector Todd, he chews out Axel in the locker room because he used evidence from another case, didn't ask permission to do this case in the first place. You'd think that'd be enough to get him fired, but apparently he's an extremely good detective. But Todd tells him, like, this is strike two. You know, one more and you're done. I don't care. Yeah, you can tell Axel Foley hasn't been on the force for very long, but he has got a wheelbarrow for his balls because he does pretty much whatever he wants throughout the entire film. And then we get Axel pulling into his neighborhood to the theme song, the iconic theme song, Axel F. Yeah, again, fantastic music throughout the movie. Um, I, I can't remember this music, uh, this song offhand, uh, but I just I feel like the music was very good throughout the entirety of the film. I do want to pause for a short sidebar. On my way here today, I was listening to Tone Loke, Funky Cold Medina, speaking of 80s music. And I thought, is there a more fun song than Funky Cold Medina? And it got me to thinking about how like late 80s, early 90s rap was all fun. They, they rapped about their parents beating them up. They rapped, It was all funny stories. And then along came N.W.A. and Tupac and Biggie. And I love those guys. But all rap became gangster rap. It stopped being funny. Yeah, it definitely started out a little goofy. You know, we were doing, you know, certain dances. Now it's definitely more serious, uh, more gritty. And you know, it's certainly a flavor that you, you may not be into. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of good music from the past. Well, thankfully, in the 2000s, Eminem came along to save the day. And even though he's a very hard rapper, a lot of his lyrics are very goofy and funny. Oh, the slimmest of all the shadies. What do you think about uh, Lil Dicky? I actually love him. I've seen the show Dave. I think it's a great show. And I think that... He is one of the better satirical rappers. Um, I think he's incredibly talented. And a lot of his videos are very funny as well. So I think it takes a lot of talent to be able to uh, kind of make fun of yourself and embrace it. And I think he does that both on his show and in any song that I've heard from him. Yeah, I think he's an extremely good rapper. And I think that his lyrics are funny. Again, getting to the funny stuff. He's got what the kids these days call bars. And they're all funny. Oh, on God, Wayne. For real, for real. <laughs> So uh, Axel goes up the stairs. The door to his apartment's wide open. You hear some rummaging going around in there. He takes out his pistol, busts in, and his friend Mikey's sitting at his table eating his food, and he just starts laughing. Yeah, you, you could tell he, was, he thought something was awry. But uh, as soon as he saw his buddy, there were no issues at all. It was somebody you know that he hadn't seen in quite a long time. And this is my second sidebar I'm going to take. This is for our gun folks that like to listen. I noticed the pistol was a high-powered browning nine millimeter but it looked very much like a springfield armory or i think it's like an 1880 or something like that's called yeah i don't know if you guys can get back to wayne on twitter and let him know exactly what type of pistol that was he'd like to write it for his report well i know it was a browning nine millimeter i just it looks like there's a lot of guns during that time that looked all the same hey i'm just glad it wasn't alec baldwin's gun i guess so yeah 
So Mikey's sitting at the table, he's eating the food, he starts laughing, and we, you know, find out that he just got out of prison six months ago, and you kind of get a little bit of a backstory here that, like, Axel used to be in some crooked stuff, too, and that's why he's so street-savvy. Absolutely, yeah, you gotta have a sense of street smarts, and you can tell he absolutely has it. He's not just a book-smart, do-it-all-the-hard-way type of guy, and... You know, we learned that, you know, him and Mikey had a bit of a, a, a history where Mikey took that rap and did the time. And so, you know, Axel's incredibly, he's incredibly happy for that and, and to see Mikey. So, yeah, a bit of a, a backstory to find out how they knew each other and why there's such a, a strong bond. And Mikey shows him a bunch of German bearer bonds. He says 10,000 Deutschmarks. I remember watching this as a kid, not knowing what a Deutschmark was and just being like, okay, whatever. Now, as an adult and knowing what a Deutschmark is, and knowing the exchange rate of the Deutschmark versus the U.S. dollar, that's some bank. I still don't know what a Deutschmark is, but I'm going to tell you, I hate bonds. I spent 11 years working in banking, and bonds are the worst thing that I could have been asked to do. Well, they're out at the bar, and that's where you get the backstory of them stealing a car when they were younger, and Mikey didn't turn Axel in, so Mikey had to go to like a reform school or something. And they're just really good friends, and he even says, like, I love you, man. And I know he's drunk, but it's like genuine, like, this is like his brother. Yeah, it's not strictly a drunk I love you, man, because we all we all have said and been part of those. Then we get back to Axel's apartment, and both of them are drunk. They're laughing. Axel gets knocked unconscious from behind. And then we get Jonathan Banks, my uh, Joe from Reservoir Dogs, and Mike from Better Call Saul, chatting him up and then shooting him in the head twice. Yeah, Mom and I definitely recognized him right away, and uh, my mom said, you know, he's a better actor when he has hair. <laughs> I don't think he is. He had like three lines in this, and he just looked angry most of it. I think I just think that's his face. He's got resting Banks face. So Inspector Todd shows up. He tells Axel to go to the hospital. Axel wants to investigate more. And Todd tells him, no, your office case. It's this other guy who hasn't like hasn't been off his desk for 10 years. Well, you know what? I've got vacation time. I want to put in for my vacation time. That's right. And he tells me, listen, Axel, you go to the hospital. You can go on vacation right after you get out of the hospital. But if I find you near this case, it'll be the longest vacation you ever heard of. Yeah. Immediately fishy to go. Oh, you don't want me on this case. All right. I want to go on vacation. Well, where does he go on vacation? He goes to California because Mikey had told him he was working at some warehouse in California. Their friend Jenny had gotten him a job there working security, which they had a good laugh about. And so we see Axel driving down the street in his beat up Chevy Nova. He's checking out the scenery and he pulls up to the Beverly Palms Hotel and he goes in there and we get to see him scam his way into a room saying that he's a reporter for the Rolling Stone. And he's supposed to do uh, an article on Michael Jackson and he ends up calling them racist. Santana doing an exclusive interview with Michael Jackson is going to be picked up by every major magazine in the country. I was going to call the article, Michael Jackson is sitting on top of the world, but now I think I might as well just call it, Michael Jackson can sit on top of the world just as long as he doesn't sit in the Beverly Palm Hotel because there's no niggas allowed in there. And this is one of those scenes where I was talking about Eddie Murphy. He improvised the whole thing. You could definitely see his skill there. He was able to just pull that right out of his arse and be able to, you know, convince multiple people on that hotel staff who I'm sure see ritzy, important people all the time to get him into a room. So yeah, the street smarts and, you know, the, just the acting ability to be able to do that. Not many people have that skill at all, especially at that ripe young age of, again, we're talking about somebody who's under 25 years old. That's right. Well, again, one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time. Absolutely. So now he goes out for a walk. He laughs at a couple of guys wearing leather outfits and he gets to the art gallery. He's checking out this table with a bunch of spinning heads on it. And then we get to meet Serge played by Bronson Pinchot. And this was my mom's favorite character in the movie. He's just hilarious. What, what is it pertaining? <laughs> That's right. And he calls him Acmel. And apparently he really likes making espresso with a little lemon twist in it. Yeah, he, he was definitely one of my favorite characters. I was hoping for way more of him. 
And just in doing some reading, it sounds like he wasn't in the second, but there was such a demand for him that he did find his way back into the third. He does come back for the third and probably the only bright spot in the third movie because it's bad. So I should watch the, the next two or sh- I should not? I would at least watch part. Part two is good. Okay. Uh, Judge Reinhold in both? Oh, yeah. We get Rosewood and Taggart both in two. Oh, perfect. I'll have to check those out just for the sake of seeing. I saying I watched this trilogy. So then we get Axel goes, uh, or he tells Jenny that, you know, Mikey's dead. She explains that Victor Maitland's the one that hired him. He was working down at the warehouse. So Axel decides to go visit Maitland in his office. And again, kind of says, oh, I got to bring these flowers there myself. Weasels his way in. And when he gets up to the office, we see Jonathan Banks sitting in the office. We now automatically know, bad guy. <laughs> and then he's asking the guy questions about Mikey. And the guy buzzes in security, who's like six or seven guys. They pick him up, they carry him downstairs, and they throw him through a glass window. Yeah, and and uh, Axel Foley ends up getting arrested for that, you know, for uh, for jumping through a window. Disturbing the peace. <laughs> yeah, but tell me, so what's the charge? Possession of a concealed weapon and disturbing the peace. Disturbing the peace? I got thrown out of a window. What's the fucking charge for getting pushed out of a moving car, huh? Jaywalking? This is bullshit. Yeah, apparently uh, Maitland's got the cops in the bag over there. And he also had a concealed weapon on him, and they didn't know he's a cop. He didn't have his badge on him. Well, I think he finds out very, very quickly uh, that he's no longer in Detroit anymore, Toto. The cops are going to treat him much differently in California than they would out there in Detroit. Well, they do everything by the book in Beverly Hills. Of course they do. We see the Beverly Hills Police Department, which is a beautiful building. It's actually the Beverly Hills Town Hall in real life. Oh, wow. Look at you doing extra research. Yeah, because I knew there was no way that was actually the police station. Wayne has seen way too many police stations. <laughs> I've seen a few. And we get Axel now is being interviewed by Taggart and Rosewood. Rosewood is Judge Reinhold Taggart. I can't remember the actor's name, but he's an, he's the older guy. He's a sergeant. Rosewood's just a detective. And Taggart takes issue with Axel swearing so much. They tap each other on the shoulder, and Axel gets punched in the stomach. Yeah, they definitely go back and forth. It's uh, They didn't start off on the greatest of feet at all. And then Bogomil is the lieutenant. He's in charge of the precinct. He calls Taggart in. They have a little conversation. They come out. Taggart has to apologize. And then Bogomil asks if Axel wants to press charges, which he says where he's from, you know, cops don't press charges on cops. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and Jenny comes to bail him out. And she tells him that Victor Maitland is one of the top art dealers in the United States. He has been for the last 10 years. And... Axel notices Taggart and Rosewood following him. He's like, yeah, it's two cars behind us on the right. Yeah, he's, he's very smart. Uh, you know, he can see it through his perifs. They get to the hotel and he orders them both dinner, like a lobster salad sandwich. And while the dinner's being served, he shoves a few bananas up the tailpipe. Oh, uh, the old banana in the tailpipe trick. We're very familiar with that. We are familiar with that. And again, a funny scene because I liked the guy who was in charge of the fruit. And Axel says, I'll buy the bananas. And he's like, you know what? Just take them. You like the guy who was selling the fruit? That's a Wayans brother. That's Damon Wayans. Is it Damon Wayans? That's yeah. not Damon Wayans, is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I, I knew he looks quasi-familiar. Under Wikipedia, it lists him as Banana Man. <laughs> but, it, but it is Damon Wayans. <laughs> I got apples. I got this. I, got, I just want the bananas, man. <laughs> Here, you take these. He's like, you know what? You can just have them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Wayans, baby. <laughs> um, all right. So... They stall out because they've got the bananas in the tailpipe. And then Axel and Jenny go to the warehouse. They find a crate. They find a bunch of coffee everywhere. A- Axel doesn't explain at that point what the coffee's about, but we find out later. Then they decide they're going to follow the van that leaves there. Jenny drops him off at this other bonded warehouse. And he goes in there again. Another scam. He scams his way into talking to the supervisor and looking at all the manifests. Very quick on his feet. Very good with his words. Uh, he was so savvy. 
when they get back or when Axel gets back, he notices that Rosewood and Taggart are still waiting outside of his hotel, staking him out. They're actually having a little bit of a bonding moment. They're chatting it up. He, uh, Billy tells him like he eats a lot of meat. He shouldn't eat so much meat because it's not healthy for him. And Axel jumps in the back seat and scares them. Yeah, you shouldn't drink so much coffee, you know. <laughs> uh, it was definitely a, a concerning uh, relationship between the two. It was nice to see those two, uh, you know, get to know each other more. But then, yeah, Foley's right there to uh, stir it up a bit. Well, he says, listen, man, you guys got to follow me anyways. So you might as well just go with me and let's go to this really conservative place. It's nice and quiet. We can just chat. And it turns out to be a strip club. And Axel, of course, gives Billy some money to put in the G-string of the girl. Yeah, very 2022 of Axel Foley trying to conserve gas and just use one vehicle and carpool. But yeah, I think it was a wonderful establishment. And, you know, to be able to see the growing relationship between Foley and uh, Rosewood, you got to see, you know, Billy actually stuff some money in a stripper's undies. You know, he got yelled at for it, but, you know, he, he got played. You know, he, he likes to he likes to be liked. Well, then we get a couple of suspicious fellows look in, and Axel points them out to Taggart. He says, isn't it a little bit hot to be wearing those jackets? So he tells Taggart, you go cover this guy. I'm going to go check out what's going on over here. And he's like, no, I'm not trying to trick you. Like, Let's go figure this out. Turns out, you know, Axel's acting drunk. He's like, Phil, I told you it was Phil. Hey, man, what's happening, Phil? I know that was you. He told me it was the juice that you don't come in no more about that. It's Phil. <laughs> the guy pulls a gun out. Axel disarms him. Taggart pulls a gun on the other guy. The day is saved. Everyone's clapping. And that definitely uh, is a very nice bonding moment for those three where they start to gain trust in each other and work towards a more common goal together as opposed to trying to stop each other. Exactly. And then they get back to the station and Bogomil's asking them what they were doing at a strip club. And Axel tells them, well, they were just following me, doing their job. They noticed a couple guys go in there and they end up saving the day. You guys have super cops here. And then Taggart's like, no, that's not what really happened. Axel kind of figured it out. Couldn't go with the lie. And, and Axel was so mad he didn't go with the perfect ass lie. So we also, and I didn't understand this, but I guess Billy and Taggart get taken off the case and the new jerky like police officers get put on the case. Yeah, it's like what we see in, you know, the other guys. You know, there's always a a schmuck tandem, you know, a, a more hateable duo. Um, and we see them get poked fun at by Axel Foley almost immediately. Morning, officers. What y'all, the second team? We're the first team. Yeah, we're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? <laughs> it should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. See, that's more natural for us. You've been hanging out with this dude too long. And they follow Axel to Victor Maitland's house where he's camping out and he's got food in his trunk. And they're like, this seems like a stakeout. He's like, what? No, I'm just having a good time. And then he notices Victor leaving. So he gets in his car to follow Victor, stops at a green light, goes on a red light and loses them, which he finds hilarious that he lost the A-team. Uh, yeah, definitely didn't seem like the A-team at all. And they looked cheesy. And he pulls up to the Harrow Club. H-A-R-R-O-W, where it's a very fancy restaurant, and we get the second improvised scene from Eddie Murphy telling the guy, the, the mater D, like, oh, I, I have to tell Victor that he has herpes simplex 10. He's like, maybe you better tell him yourself. Yeah, I, I think you better deliver that message. You know what? I think that'd be best. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he goes and he sees Victor, and, you know, uh, Jonathan Banks gets up and gets thrown into a fruit salad, and then he tells Victor that he's going to figure everything out, and Victor just tells him, you don't know who you're messing with. Again, just the wheelbarrow of balls on Foley to just go to an, go into a restaurant and confront him while he's eating. Now, back at the station, uh, Bogomil 
this is kind of a cool scene with Bogomil because Axel's telling him, like, listen, this is, we found the coffee grounds. We found this. This is what's going on. The manifest say this thing. Cause at first he's like, you know, this guy is very personal to me because he killed my friend, but I just can't prove it yet. And Bogomil says, forget what you can prove. Tell me what you got. Yeah. You can definitely see him working with him, you know, for someone who's so by the book, he seems to be kind of, you know, player friendly, almost like a player friendly coach. And it seems like we got a plan to work together until the chief shows up, calls Bulgamil in his office. And when they come out, Bogomil says, escort him to the city limits and don't let him come back. Yeah, that chief stinks. Boo. They're going to escort him to the city limits, but it's just Rosewood bringing him. And Axel, of course, convinces Billy to help him instead of escorting him. Well, because he likes to be liked. You know, he's, he's easily convinced. And you're like, well, I, I shouldn't, but all right. And we see Victor visit Jenny at the art studio. Very creepy scene. Definitely seems like he's trying to intimidate her. Yeah, we've seen some uh, some creepy scenes in an art studio or art gallery. Um, it, it made me think of Kingpin a little bit. Yeah, I guess a little bit. And then we get Axel shows up to the art gallery with Billy. And finally we get Serge again. And he has Serge make an espresso with lime or lemon for Billy. And, and I think Billy's like, oh, as long as it's not any trouble. Yo, Serge, can you get my friend an um, espresso? You want a bit of lemon twist? Uh... Uh, yeah, sure, if it's no bother. No, don't be stupid. <laughs> so Billy, Jenny, and Axel go to the warehouse, and they tell Billy, you got to wait in the car because you're actually a Beverly Hills police officer, so you can get in trouble if you go in there without a warrant. We're going to go in there. They go in. They get caught. They find drugs, but Maitland shows up. Billy's watching all this from the car, and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? So then they escort Jenny out. They leave. Maitland comes out. Still no Foley. He's still in there. Billy decides to go in there, save the day. We got shots fired, punches thrown, and Billy and Axel come out fine. Yeah, Billy's definitely, you know, is, is this the point where they're outside and, uh, you know, he stands up and says Beverly Hills, you know. Oh, no, this is, is still in the warehouse. Okay, earlier. Okay, I'm sorry. So, yeah, they come out and everything's fine. We're not fine. They, they now go. They're driving to Maitland's house. They call in like, hey, send backup or, or go to the warehouse, find the drugs. And Taggart hears it. And he tells the other guys, the A-team, he's like, hey, you guys go check out the warehouse. I'm going to go get Billy. And when Taggart shows up, Billy's like, I'm going in there, Sarge. And so then all three of them go in. Yeah, definitely fun to see them working together. Uh, we do get a funny scene of Taggart trying to climb that wall. And Billy's trying to help him up. And Axel's just laughing at him as he gets over the wall. Oh, yeah, definitely the super young athletic Foley's just watching these two jamokes just struggle with what seems to be a, a very easy task for uh, people of their age. And then we get... Again, a huge shootout, machine gun firing everywhere, shots fired back and forth. This is where Billy stands up and gets shot at. Right. Oh, it was like the movie The Heat all over again. Yeah, it was br a lot of gun shooting. Inside, we see Jonathan Banks is trying to find Axel, and Axel's just on one knee waiting for him to turn around. As soon as he does, gets a couple bullets in his chest. Boom, boom. And then Axel gets shot by Maitland. He right in the arm. Yeah, right in the arm, blood trail where you can follow him. And uh, Maitland comes out with... Oh, of course, we also see the all the police cars crashing into each other as they pull through the gates. Yeah, you know, I, I see that in different movies. I'm just like, come on, don't we see the first one crash and we like we step on our brakes or something? No, we just all keep going. <laughs> and so Maitland goes in the, not Maitland, uh, Bogomil goes in the house and he, him and Axel both shoot Maitland to death. And then they leave and everything seems good. And then here comes the chief again. Yeah. And, you know, he, he needs he needs a story. He needs to know how we got to this point. He wants the facts. And so Bogomil makes up the biggest lie ever about how Axel was a joint effort between the Detroit and the Beverly Hills Police Department. And then the guy says, oh, I'm not going to believe that. And he looks at Taggart. He goes, what really happened? And Taggart's like, 
Yeah, just like the lieutenant said. Yeah, we definitely see them learn from the first time we see that be pulled. The, you know, the old pull the lie out of my ass. Um, and Taggart originally didn't do so well with it. This time he redeems himself and uh, they're able to pull the wool over the chief's eyes. And then we get back to the hotel and the Beverly Hills Police Department is picking up Axel's tab. So, of course, he's buying robes and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I think he was planning on not paying for anything anyway. I think so, too. <laughs> so he gets Billy a, a robe and he gets uh, Tagger a robe and he's like, hey, I already stole like three of these. So. <laughs> you have to. Um, and then at the, the end, you know, they're in the car or Axel's getting in his car. and He goes, hey, why don't you guys follow me for a drink? I know a really good place. You guys will like it. And Billy's like, hey, we're not supposed to drink on the job. And that's when Taggart says, well, nothing wrong with one beer. One club soda. <laughs> and so then it's Axel smiling. We get roll the credits. And uh, again, it's just a fun movie. Lots of action, lots of comedy. And I thought it was the perfect balance. It wasn't too much of a comedy where the action seemed comedy. It was like just a perfect mix. Yeah, you know, it was definitely nice to go from, you know, what seemed to be like a a darker movie with Reservoir Dogs. Then we had straight comedy with Caddyshack and again, a straight comedy with Fast Time. So it was nice to get a little bit more action involved. And I think Eddie Murphy did a wonderful job in this performance. You know, I can't give him enough credit. Um, you know, I didn't know that there was so much, you know, improvisation from him. And, and again, looking at, you know, how old he was when he did this film, I just think it was such an incredible job done by him. Absolutely. And like I said, I think you're going to like the sequel. If you watch that, you get a little bit more Paul Reiser. You get a Ferrari that Eddie Murphy's driving, which, again, the inspector is pissed because it's a thing that Axel got to do, an undercover thing, and didn't tell the chief about. Yeah, he's a sneaky bugger. Uh, I plan on watching number two and three, and uh, hopefully I'll have those in the bag before we get to the recasted episode. That way we can touch on it. But, you know, I am excited to talk about other things that we've watched outside of our, our own personal queue. And so, yeah, we do have the recasted episode will come out next. That'll probably be in a week or two. And that's going to be obviously us picking seven different characters. Uh, obviously, I've got all the police officers. We've got Bogomil, Taggart, Rosewood, Axel. We got Jenny, the bad guy, Maitland, and Serge. I know I didn't add Paul Reiser, even though uh, Jesse was hoping I would have. Well, since we, I didn't, who would you have cast for Paul Reiser? Michael Sarah. Really? Oh, man. He's the, the second he's looking at the lockers and goes, oh, this isn't my locker. I get the Michael Sarah from Superbad where he's, he's looking at the girl's chest. And as soon as she looks at him, he's like, oh, looking at the ceiling. He's looking at his pencil. He's looking at the test. And yeah, he's, he's right around that age where he'd need to be now. He's not high school Michael Sarah anymore. He's almost 40 year old Michael Sarah. So I think, you know, friend of Axel Foley on the force, um, you know, funny friend. I think he would have been good in that small bit that we've seen him in, but I, I do agree. Um, that he wasn't in it enough for us to kind of force any type of recasting. Definitely like Michael Sarah there better than I did in Jerry Maguire as Bob Sugar. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm glad you remember who I cast as Bob Sugar because I, I don't remember. <laughs> I remember like all the casts because I'm always like, did I already pick this guy? Did Jesse pick this guy? Or sometimes like did one of our guests pick this guy? Yeah, who are we getting as Jenny? Michael Jai White? <laughs> I think what well, didn't somebody because so it, just a behind the scenes too before we get into the recast it is I put out there on social media that I was looking for who people thought would be a good Axel Foley and I can't remember it might have been Steve Doyle it's one of the people that follows us that was like hey pick Michael Jai White and I was like God, Jesse would love that yeah I think you know Michael Jai White to Wayne is what Jonah Hill is to Jesse I mean I almost decided to send him you know all seven characters with Jonah Hill's name next to all of them just to try and get a laugh out of them um, but, you know, we definitely took it more serious and we're, we're very excited to, you know, discuss who we have and uh, how we think ours is better than the others. So if you are looking for a special shout out in that episode, 
then go ahead and vote if you haven't voted already. Actually, you have to vote and retweet. That was a new little caveat I added this time. No more special shout-outs just for being you. Wayne's just getting sick of listing off 75 names and not having a sip of water, so he's making you earn it. That's right. If you, special shout-outs are only for people who retweet. If you vote but you don't retweet, you get a regular shout-out. And if you don't do anything, well, then you don't get anything. You're nothing to us. You're dead to us. You'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> You morons. <laughs> All right. So that's our episode, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let us know if there's anything we can do different. Obviously, let us know if there's anything you want us to include in the recast episode. You got a little bit of time to think about it. And uh, other than that, we will see you on the flippity flop.